0: Words of love in that moment. Speaking, not not allowing the strife, not allowing the, the thoughts that lead you into that argument. Amen. So God's talking about things that pertain to our everyday life. Not allowing the things that are on the TV that are going to get you so worked up that you spend your whole day frustrated. Why? If it's violating peace. Remember what we talked about with learning how to know the leading of the Lord? If you don't live a life of peace, it's going to be difficult for him to lead you because that's one of his major ways of dealing with you and letting you know it's the right decision. But if you've got frustration from the time you turn on CNN or whatever, I don't think y'all watch CNN. I think y'all are led by the Spirit enough to know not to to put yourself in a place to have to listen to the constant strife and, and fear and things that are coming on. But, but do you see the decisions, or daily decisions? The point I'm trying to make is that it's not just about something that looks outwardly spiritual, but the spiritual decisions that I'm making from a day-to-day uh, life to make my life in line to hear from God Make my life positioned to respond to him so that he can lead me. He can guide me so that his word can be at work in my life. This is walking in the spirit. Amen. Let's look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 14 But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed then when lust has conceived it brings forth sin and sin when it is finished brings forth death so we see a process this is the process and it begins with the flesh so he's talking about this process that ends up in death. That sin when it is finished brings forth death. We don't want that we don't want this process to get that far. So how can we stop it? How can we live a sin-free life avoiding this path? We talked about it a little bit earlier this morning about the fear of the Lord. But it says When he is drawn away, I want you to recognize that because that is an indicator for you to help you identify when that drawing away, I need to recognize and resist it. If that drawing away, if I sense that drawing away, that that drawing of an enticement, that drawing of a temptation and i 'm just going to go back to use uh, the temptation of being angry because it 's come up a couple of times this morning, so we 're helping somebody it, when that temptation to be angry comes when i 'm drawn away and you know it happens with thoughts it happens with with uh, it comes with an emotion when the enemy is tempting us to do something he makes it so real and and you'll 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 feel the the flash of heat in your face, you'll feel the, the rising up like you, like Brother Jesse Duplantis says, it was like his Tabasco sauce coming up through his, uh, rising up through his, his legs, right? It, that, it's a physical feeling that comes with it, and, and if you have practiced that anger, it's, it's quick. It doesn't take long for it to start at your toes and come all the way up until, boom, you are exploding in that anger. Hallelujah. But if I can recognize the drawing away and resist it at the drawing away, then I don't have to end up at the place where it has caused me to sin and I've got to go repent for that sin right i can I can deal with it out the drawing away. I can begin to recognize that's trying to get me over here to 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 work in me that response that it's always worked in me now many of you I've told you my testimony about um, my life before Christ and the uh, man that I was married to uh in during my life of addiction and crime, uh, he would physically abuse me. And so if we disagreed about anything, I'd, I've had my jaw broken, I've had black eyes, I've had uh, busted eardrums, busted lips, uh, he tried to shoot me one time, blew a, blew a hole in the ceiling uh, and beat me up and threw me out in the, in the snow. And so it was a very, it, it was a very, it was a process that when we disagreed that I was stuck in that process and so then after we after after Pastor Steele and I were married after God saved me we were married I still had some of the same the same triggers and the same processes and so there would be arguments that we would have and I just fell back into the same pattern of arguing that I had been in in my life before Christ. And that, that pattern, part of that pattern was that I would, I would allow the thoughts. I remember before Christ that when there would be arguments and then even after the fight that I would go for days and we wouldn't talk. And I wouldn't even talk to his family. One day his his mother said to me, and this before Christ, with the bad relationship, his mother said, we didn't beat you up. We didn't do anything wrong. Why aren't you talking to us? Because I was just self-preserving and I was putting everybody out. I was building a, a wall to try to protect myself from anybody hurting me. And so I included them in that wall. Well... That pattern became a way that when I got born again, I didn't know that that pattern, that's all I knew. That's the only way I knew to deal with this relationship. And so when we would argue, of course, Pastor didn't beat me. I did kick him in the face, but he forgave me. And I, I learned not to, and I learned that he wasn't going to hit me. I kicked him because I thought he was going to hit me. And um, he wasn't, he just looked at me like that was the craziest thing he'd ever had happen to him in his life. And just turned around and walked out of the room and I'm like, what? I thought you was going to hit me. I was ready for a fight. I was going to get the first lick in, you know. Oh, the Lord is so gracious, isn't he? But I still had that mindset of holding those, those thoughts and building this thought refuge. And so when we would disagree, he would go to work. Pastor Steele would go to work. He was working at Blue Cross Blue Shield in the insurance company there in Kansas City. He would go to the office and I would be alone with my thoughts all day and I would fume. Y'all know what it means to fume? I mean, I would go through the house all day long. I would be folding those clothes and you just, just I'm going to tell him, and when he comes home, I should have said. This is what I should have said. And and I would just sit and rehearse the argument all day long, banging the pots and pans, folding the clothes angrily. I would just sit there, and I would think about how I could have answered and gotten a better response, you know, how I could have said and should have said. And and I was just rehearsing all day long that And thinking about the argument, feeding on it, he would walk in the door after having been all day long working, you know, not thinking about what I was thinking about, not rehearsing. He forgot about the argument. He had just let it go. And he walks in, and I pick up where I left off. But I've been feeding on it and fueling it all day long. And it became a pattern. It became a pattern so that it was, it was like the enemy was doing things, like drawing me away, that temptation drawing me to automatically set myself at odds against him. And I will never forget the day that I was fuming. I was sitting there rehearsing my argument. And the Lord said... You are thinking covenant-breaking thoughts against the only person you're in covenant with on this planet. You are thinking covenant-breaking thoughts against him. And then I wanted to tell the Lord why. I was thinking, these covenant breaking thoughts, but Lord, did you hear what he said to me? Do you remember what he did this morning? And can you look that look he gave me? And how dare he not agree with me in front of the kids, you know, and, and, and override my decision and whatever it was, just nothing. I mean, it was non-essential things that I was fuming about. I mean, so I'm trying to tell the Lord, and the Lord brought me back to covenant. You're breaking covenant. You're a covenant breaker in your thoughts. And because you're, you're breaking covenant in your thoughts, it's affecting your finances, it's affecting your home, you're, you're opening the door. What does the Bible say happens if there's strife? When there's strife, James says, where there's strife, there's confusion and every evil work. So I was propping the door open for the enemy to come in and steal from us in ways that he would never have gained an entrance if I wasn't sitting around striving in my, in my mind, striving in my heart against the person I'm in covenant with. And when God dealt with me that way, I had to begin to repent and change that pattern. And so whenever, and you know what? It still came to me the same way. Those same opportunities were there. Those same temptations or that drawing away to start criticizing Him or thinking, how did he do that, and put myself at odds against him, the, the, the temptation, the drawing away was there. I just had to resist it. I began to say, no, I'm in covenant with him. He's my husband. I submit to the covenant that I have with God. We are married in the sight of God. It is a, a holy covenant. I, wanna, I started treating my marriage as holy. Because if my marriage is holy, I'm not going to think those thoughts against him. I'm going to cast those thoughts down and I'm going to take thoughts that are, I'm going to take my thoughts through that Philippians chapter 4 list and say whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report, and start thinking about what he did right instead of meditating on what he was doing wrong, in my estimation at that point. I heard um, Andrew Womack talk about a woman who came to him and uh, actually a husband came and he said, I'm going to divorce my wife because, you know, he began to list all these things that were wrong with his wife and why he did not want her and how she wasn't fit for the, she couldn't play the piano and she couldn't preach and she wasn't going to help him in ministry and go, go, just going through all of these different things that he needed to replace her, you know, and divorce her and, and get somebody else. And um, Andrew said, well, let me ask you this. I want, to, I want you to take the next 30 days, and every day for 30 days, begin to pick one thing a day that you are, that she does well, that you're thankful for, and focus on that. And so he, he, he began to do that. And he began to say, she is a really good mom to our children. And he would meditate on that. She is a really good mom. And he would say, she always takes such good care of our home. You know, she's faithful to... To, to cook and to clean. He, he was emphasizing things he didn't think she did first. And now when he began to shift that over and began to look at what she did well and what she was good at and the things that she had done faithfully in his life. She's never, she's never cheated on me. She's always been faithful to me. Just began to meditate on those things. He came back to him and said, you know what? I've changed my mind. I really love her. I really love her. He probably loved her all along, but that enticing away, that drawing away, that enemy tempting him to look at what he looked at. You know, what if everybody did that about their local church? You know, I see a lot of people leave the local church because the enemy gets them to focus on one thing they don't like. They focus on something that, that they don't do well. Something that that maybe they're they 're not capable of doing, you know some people might come and say, well, you know they they don 't have as big of a children 's ministry as we 'd like to have, or a big of a youth ministry, or they don 't have maybe, sometimes I don 't find a parking spot out front, and i got to go out back or whatever the case may be. Begin to focus on what is good, begin to give the the attention to the right things. And what's going to happen is your flesh isn't going to be guiding the thoughts, but your born-again spirit is guiding the thoughts. And that pattern has to be broken. So notice and begin to recognize that tempting comes as a drawing away of a desire. Look at that desire. When you have a craving to criticize somebody, identify, that's not coming from my born-again spirit. My born-again spirit does not want to criticize my brother in Christ. My born-again spirit does not, it does not have an, a desire to be jealous because God blessed them with a the new car. What part of that? It would be the flesh that would have a desire to be jealous. So put it down and go make yourself dance around the car with that person. Say, praise God for look what the Lord has done. I'm next in line. Look what the Lord has done. I rejoice with you. Amen. Amen. And what's that doing? You're being a doer of the word, rejoicing with those who do rejoice. You're you're acting on the word instead of acting on a craving or an impulse of the flesh. And you're strengthening hefty, hefty, hefty. Strengthening your spirit to be strong. Amen. And your flesh to be weakened. We're going to stop at Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. My first close. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Now remember, this is is after Romans chapter 7. We talked about Romans chapter 7. That difficult life of a person who is allowing their flesh... Versus that person who is delighting in the law of God after the inward man. So here in chapter 8 he says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. The, the um, New Living Translation says, They have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. They have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. That's what was happening to me. That pattern, I was, I was always looking at him with criticism. I was always looking at, at him and saying, he shouldn't have done that. He didn't treat me right. He, didn't, he shouldn't have acted that way. I was looking. That was a pattern. And I had to break that pattern and turn it around and begin to rejoice in, in the husband I have and rejoice that God has given me a man who loves God with all of his heart. That God has given me a man who is faithful to provide for our family. I started having to rehearse the right things. It says, they that are after the flesh do mind or have the mindset or have the outlook or have the perception of the things of the flesh. And you could also interpret that this way. If you look at a child and say, you better mind me. You better mind me. What are you saying? You better better do what I'm telling you, right? Those who are after the flesh are going to do what the flesh tells them to do. But those that are after the Spirit are going to do the things that the Spirit compels or impulses or urges them to do. Your Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, will compel you. We want that compelling to win every time. We want to yield to that compelling. We want to recognize what, what is the Holy, what is my spirit by the Holy Spirit compelling me or urging me or directing me to do? For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you notice we have two? Not three, not four. Two, carnally minded or spiritually minded. It didn't say saved and unsaved. Because again, this is to the brethren. To be carnally minded versus being spiritually minded. Well, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that we've got to be renewed, transformed in the mind. Our mind has to be renewed. It does not have God thoughts by default because you got saved. Let's say for instance that someone who was will use pornography for instance. Someone who was heavy in pornography, they go and they give their life to the Lord. And then they go home and they've got all this wrong stuff on their computer. Well, they say, what happened? I gave my life to the Lord today. Why is this wrong stuff on my computer? Because it's not going to delete it till you delete it. Someone who maybe has been involved in crime and they've got all these files. They've got all these things downloaded on their computer from their life before. And now they're born again. For them to have the computer cleared off, they've got to go clear it off. Mary, can I tell on you this morning? Okay. What a perfect. Mary said this morning, she was talking about that song we've been practicing. He made the difference. She said that when she got saved, she said before she got saved, she, in order for their post office box, she had to choose the password and she chose a cuss word, a bad word as her. He made the difference, though, right? So every time she would go in to check her mail. She's putting in this cuss word and has to think about it every time she puts it in. Well, then she gets born again. And she walks into her post office box and she's like, getting ready. And what, what, what are you doing? You got to think about the code. And she's like, I can't use that code anymore. I'm going to have to change my password because it's a cuss word. She had to purposefully go in to change it. Am I right? To change the password. Why? Because that password doesn't fit my life anymore. The thoughts have to be purposefully changed. Those those thought patterns have to be deleted and new ones downloaded in their place. And so when you have thoughts that the enemy has used in the past, as triggers to lead you to wrong behavior. Whether it be anger or people who have fought alcoholism or addiction. There were thoughts that led them to the behavior. So now I've got to recognize I'm born again. I am a new creature. But my thoughts are still operating in the old creature thought life. So I've got to delete those thoughts. And download new thoughts. That's what it means by renewing your mind. Renewing your mind is the deleting of the old and the downloading of the God way of thinking so that your thoughts agree with his thoughts. When, when we leave the wrong thought patterns, it's easy for the enemy to draw away. It's easy for the enemy to to lead that person to that decision or to that assumption because it's the thoughts that lead them them there. So if I've got old, wrong thinking in my thoughts, then it's going to continually take me to the behavior I don't want. So what do I need? I need to be spiritually minded. I need to be spiritually minded. It's not automatic. I've got to choose To make my mind agree with what's in my heart. You know as you begin to receive revelation. Whether it be from the written word. Being revealed to you. Then you take the revelation. And you bring it to the mind. And you govern the way your mind thinks. When I first got saved. I had. I looked at tithing. And I looked at my. New life. And I'm thinking, I am a single mother trying to get custody of my children back. I am working a lunch shift at a restaurant, kind of like a TGI Friday's or a Applebee's. Lunch shift, right? Because I didn't want to serve liquor at night, so I worked the lunch shift. And I'm trying to do all of these things, get all of these things ready to get my children back and I'm thinking, how can I afford to tithe? See the wrong thought? How can I afford to tithe? I don't have money to tithe. That was a, a wrong thought pattern. I had to delete that thought and say, wait a minute, this tithe is the Lord's. It's not mine. I'm not going to rob God. Why would I keep something from the very one who saved me and set me free? Why would I... Why would I? Tell him it's not going to work for me. I had, to, I had to change the thought. Listen, because I needed more than I could make. That 10% wasn't going to get my driver's license fixed. That 10% that I, that I was struggling with wasn't going to be able to get me in an apartment in time for me to get my children back by passing that uh, home study. That, it wasn't going to be enough. So what did I... I needed something more than what I could do, even with the whole uh, keeping the 10%. I had to realize, I trust God, I believe God, I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to trust Him. And when I had the right thought process, that mind being in agreement with God, it enabled the blessing of God to be able to flow into that situation. To be carnally minded is death. If I would have maintained that carnal thinking where my marriage was concerned, it would have destroyed my marriage. If I would have maintained the wrong thinking where my finances were concerned, I would have been limited all of these years. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And that's what we want. We want to renew our mind. That's part of walking in the spirit. So walking in the spirit is... Living out of the life of God in me. The love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering. Not yielding to the impulses or the cravings of my flesh. And renewing the mind. And we'll stop there. Because I, I, I feel like y'all just reached full level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to pray for you right now. Say this with me. Father, I desire a greater skill in walking in the Spirit. Help me identify the areas where my flesh tries to lead me away. Help me discipline myself in spiritual things. So that my spirit gains strength and my flesh is weak. I thank you Lord that you lead me and I follow your leading in Jesus name.